0: This week's Game of Thrones rewatch: The Mountain and the Viper is sponsored by our friends over at True Car because if you're looking to buy a car you're probably familiar with the term like NSRP you might even know what it stands for but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. A chance like the Red Viper almost had against the mountain. That's why there's True Price from True Car. Now you know exactly what we pay for the car that you want including the fees and the accessories before you even get to the dealership and a true car dealer will show you the true price on the car like the one that you want all from the comfort of your home and how do you know if your true price is a great price because true car will show you what other people paid for the same car that you want and your certified dealer knows this so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business so when you're ready to buy that new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience some features are not available in all states Winter was here, but we are just getting started here on the Game of Thrones a Rewatch here on Post Show Recaps, and now here are the two guys who are ready to belch out Name That Tune. I am Rob Nino here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you?
1: Oh my God, Rob, do you feel that? There's an earthquake! <laughs> earthquake! Yeah, so you're right on Everything's shaking! You're right on
0: the money. Uh, Josh referring to, in the original airing, Of this episode way back in the spring of 2014 that a live earthquake happened during the recording of this when we used to recap these on video.
1: I am still waiting for the podcast moment that tops that. I was shook. it, it's been four years and nothing has topped the moment where Rob and I were podcasting about the mountain and the viper on video on Google Hangout as an earthquake occurred in Los Angeles. And I watched a deer in the headlights, Rob Cesternino, reacting to the universe shaking all around him. Mm-hmm. We were all shook that night because uh, so
0: much was going on with the mountain and the Red Viper and uh, we are here to uh, recap that today and Josh much like the episode from two weeks ago which ended within the laws of gods of men and where we ended up with the great scene in uh, the Red Keep with Tyrion kind of feel like that this episode is kind of right there with it where there is uh, a lot of uh, you know uh, moving around the deck chairs of the Titanic for 40 minutes and then a Really great final uh, fifteen twenty minutes of this episode.
1: Yeah, and the ratio is probably worse, but for whatever reason, I I'm less offended by this one. I think both because of the impact of the final act of the show. I think it's so brilliantly done. I like going back and revisiting the demise of the Red Viper. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's done so well, and especially in the context of all of the track they lay down on the show leading up to this moment. So there's that is that 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 final ten minutes of the episode is just spectacular. Um but also the thing that that really struck me this time, and I know we were taken with it in the moment, uh, you know, in the airing of the episode as well, the whole Orson Lannister story. Mm -hmm. But what a what a great showcase for Peter Dinklage in this episode as well. You really remember his, you know, his stand at the trial and the way that he defends himself in that moment and everything like that, and all of that is worthy of praise. But that whole scene and kind of like meditating on the meaninglessness and the the lack of rhyme or reason to death uh, it really holds up now (laughs) i mean in 2018 but but certainly within the context of the greater themes that are being explored in game of thrones and within the context of this episode specifically so i think it's just it's such a strong final act about fifteen, twenty minutes or so for this final act of the episode, and yeah, the stuff preceding it is a little whatever for a lot of it. Um, but I think that the the Jora and Danny scenes now, kind of knowing a little bit of where that's going, I think it's worth reexamination. Um, uh, your mileage will vary on whether or not you care about what's going on with Missandei and Grey Worm. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that it, it is at least more interesting now to talk about knowing where that relationship has gone through seven seasons of the show. And you know that I loved myself some Theon Greyjoy in the early days and was very compelled by his arc. And one of the things that I am finding myself struck by here on the rewatch is... I really could give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the Iron I would streak. <laughs> you know, that's really that's really shifted for me. So um, there's there's stuff to discuss in this episode, but the ratio is certainly worse than the laws of God, gods and men. But I, but I think that the the high points of this episode are are really astronomically high. Right. Okay. So let's get into it, and we
0: start off with some town debauchery, and this is just <laughs> no classic Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, yeah, that we have a it's brothel like, yeah, it, scene, and it's it's just like. Like every other you know brothel scene at the show and you know people like the the women are drinking everybody's having a good old time we uh, literally right. have a belching contest of uh, guess the song and they r- incorrectly guess the Reigns of Castamere and the correct answer was the bear and the maiden fair it's like a, there are literally
1: parody. two songs yes. in the world of Game of Thrones <laughs> those are the only two <laughs> <laughs> yeah this reminded me of like all of those Scenes. It's it was like the master of the house sequence from Les Mis. You know, it's like the the whole lovely ladies sequence from Les Mis. It was just it was it was very uh it was, it was very kitschy, and and I mean that in terms of like the worst productions of that show that you would have seen. Like it it, it was very kitschy, and it 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 guides you into this attack. On Molestown, that Torman Giants Bane is leading, and EGrit is going to show up, and Gilly is going to be the only person in Molestown smart enough to know the owl signal. Uh, there's like ooh, a little bit of a hooty-hoo, yes. Hoo-hoo! <laughs> and that is the key to knowing that a wildling attack is imminent. Uh, so even in that sheltered life at Craster's keep, Rob, uh, Gilly is wise enough to know what a wildling assault sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. How does she know that? Do all wildlings grow
0: up with that? Like, Hey, if you're in some sort of, you know, a house of ill repute and you hear the owl sound, get out. Wildling attack. is about to go down. You got to imagine that
1: Craster taught everybody (laughs) at the keep. I've heard 99
0: owls in my
1: day. Oh my god, he'll never die. He is with us forever. Yeah, he is the owl. Uh yeah, what if it was uh Oral? What if Oral had instead of warging into an eagle had warged into an owl? Yeah. Oral the owl. Yeah.
0: Okay. And Who knows? on Big Brother After Dark, uh the owl is named Orwell. Is that right? Yeah. So it's is, only does he have any special from that? Okay. Anyway, so uh, does he do anything cool, or no, is he just no, like no, no. T- he's
1: just watching the live yeah, People sometimes
0: people like fall in love with him, and it's just like a stuffed animal. Uh, but it's like a mascot. Anyway, Josh, uh, you did a great job of succinctly explaining everything that was going on here.
1: That's all that happens. grits like, oh, Gilly, you're Five alive more minutes and- on this. Yeah, you have a baby. Okay, I'm not going to let you die. And she she's like she shushes her. Yes, she's she's she pulls a uh, page out of the Shane, uh, the Shane Walsh from the Walking Dead playbook. She shushes uh, <laughs> Gilly and leaves. And then we cut to Castle Black and Sam is predictably very upset that like, oh, God. I left Egret in Molestown and she's probably dead. And there is like a solid 40 seconds of everyone just like talking over each other about what has happened in Molestown and nobody actually listening to each other. That sounds about accurate, right? That's right.
0: Gren is sort of giving the play by play. He's pissed off. Sam's beating himself up. You know, uh, Pip, ever the optimist, thinks that, you know, things are going to get better from here. He's like, you know, we've been, you know, we thought you guys were dead. You
1: weren't right i mean there's an aspect of this scene that i actually really enjoyed like the first half of the scene is kind of whatever and eventually someone is like sam relax gilly might be alive she survived a white walker she could be okay and sam's like oh you're right maybe she's all right and you know once we shift out of that they start talking about how well they've hit moles town and maybe we're next and and the army must be close and we got to really steal ourselves for this and this is the only castle black scene of the episode if i'm remembering that Mm -hmm. right and it's you know guiding us into next week which is going to be all castle black all the time i'm excited to get into that episode um but one of the things that i really did enjoy about this moment that i'm that i'm appreciating now having revisited this episode um i've i've gone back and i've watched the mountain and the viper and i've watched the fight scene you know plenty of times but i've never watched the full episode again uh on a, on a, a rewatch as far as i can recall um and i i do like this idea of like Man, we are we are up against the wall here. We are literally at the wall up against the wall and the wildlings are coming and a big fight is about to happen. And whichever one of us dies last, please be a good lad and burn the rest of us. And everybody takes a drink and everybody's jaw is clenched and everybody's like, oh, God, we're all going to die. And there are stakes to this because now we know that at least two of them are going to die in this upcoming fight, that Gren and Pip were were about to lose these two characters. So I actually really liked that on the rewatch of there being some stakes to this final drink between these bros who have been friends since the start of the show. And we have been watching this in such short succession, you know, like having such like a kind of close um impact of of going through four seasons of game of thrones at this point um that i thought that this was a good scene once it made that turn once they all stopped like worrying about molestown specifically okay so you're in on uh, what's going on here at the with the night's watch you're back I'm really in. I'm I'm hyped for the penultimate. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped for the Watchers on the Wall. I think that this is a good table setter for the next episode next week.
0: Yeah, we're set up with there are we're down to 102 Nights Watchmen. Turns out that there were three guys from the Nights Watch at Molstown when what was it like Crackjack or whoever <laughs> <I don't> no <know. laughs> three guys three guys were down there and then uh it's going to be uh, 102 versus about 100,000 and i don't know if the show really depicts that especially well i don't know if we ever feel like that uh it's 100,000 wildlings that we're up against next week
1: you should kill a few more of your people so it's 99 of you <laughs> against All of the wildlings.
0: I did think it was interesting, Josh, that uh, Ed says, "Hey, look, just so you know, uh, burn the bodies. uh, Whoever's the last, and uh, because once I'm done with this world, I don't want to come
1: back." I I liked that as well. I mean, Ed is still alive through seven seasons of Game of Thrones, as far as we know, assuming he didn't get torched. In but um, he'll be there when John comes back right he will be there when john comes back and it does make you wonder you know just as we're kind of forecasting what's going to happen with the future of the show i'm not that nervous about sam i'm pretty on the record that i think Jon snow will die before the end of this show um but if it if it came down to sam or ed like ed does strike me as that character that kind of just like skirts between the lines and oh. somehow manages to make I it you out. say uh dollarus ed uh azor on high <laughs> yes he is the prince who was promised <laughs> yes yes so this is the storyline that we should have been watching closely but we call but him we dolores
0: didn't. ed and then have
1: the westworld crossover Ooh, oh my god <laughs> yeah uh why it not yeah
0: uh ed do you know why we brought you back <laughs> Dolores said, "Bring yourself back
1: on. Bring yourself back online." <laughs> Analysis. <laughs> Dolores said, "Analysis." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not all of us deserve to make it to the valley beyond, Ed. <laughs> it's not a dream. It's an effing nightmare.
0: Yes, so all taking place in Westeros world.
1: <laughs> when are we gonna do a westworld <laughs> podcast that's gotta happen i feel like there's, there is I'm gold so to be that that no no we're all so dumb i had to watch the finale like seven times <laughs> before i understood what was happening we're all terrible idiots about westworld the only smart people are jonah nolan and lisa joy anyway neither here nor there okay let's talk about the unsullied and it's a one big unsullied
0: bath party
1: <laughs> we had a great time with this in the mm-hmm. uh, the original run of this show i think and i i'd forgotten that it happened so so early on in the in the the saga of miss and gray mm-hmm. yep and so everybody's taking a bath men on one side
0: women on the other but uh gray worm is uh you know staring longingly at uh miss
1: and just like blowing bubbles in the lake, <laughs> just like like unflinchingly, just like blah 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 blah. Yeah.
0: And uh, you know, whereas in any other scenario, I think that we would be talking about, boy, grey worm, what a creeper. What a yes. what a what a sicko that uh, get a restraining order for grey worm. This comes off, you know, very flattering all the way around for Miss Yeah.
1: Um Man, I I I haven't gone back and listened to our conversation about this, but I, I I feel like we're we're still kind of feeling the same way that like this is it, it was very pervy, it was a little weird, it was a little strange, except for the fact she liked it. that these these characters seem to be into each yeah. other. And it was like kind of this moment of them Almost seeing each other uh, for the first time where it's, you know, Grey Worm who has uh, has a thing for Missande and he is seeing her in this way. And so that's like revelatory for him. But for Misande, it's eye opening for her as well to see that Grey Worm is interested mm-hmm. in this capacity. And this is actually a storyline that has you know, paid off. Yeah, it, you know, through through the seventh season of the show, that they have finally uh, made the bond to use the Avatar parlance that T-Dub would appreciate. Yes, and he she, he comes around, and he eventually is going to apologize for. She's like, not not necessary yeah he apologizes she says i'm i you know you do not need to apologize for this and he's like okay sweet because i'm actually not that <laughs> not sorry, sorry about sorry, it sorry not sorry yeah. yeah it was a very sorry
0: not sorry apology yeah uh miss sunday ends up telling daenerys about the whole story as uh daenerys is braiding miss sunday's hair and uh she's daenerys uh, seems curious you would think that as the owner of or the purchaser of eight thousand unsullied that they would have come with some sort of a manual where. She She would know the answer to the pillars and the stones question.
1: The thing that that struck me more because they're free, you know, they they are her army, but it it, it is a, a volunteer army. Mm-hmm. So she is she is not yes, their master but She was the one time like purchaser. She went down to the sure, lot. Sure, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not debating hey, that. But, hey, but do I, you want to know? You want to know? Don't you curious? You want to see? Watto? Oh my God, I miss you as well. Um, Come on, I, I, take your pants <laughs> off. <laughs> ah yes, mm-hmm. Nubia, uh, Nubia. <laughs> I don't uh, care about that. Yeah. Pillars and the stones. Who needs that when I only need money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Wado. We need Wado back in the mix. Uh, but when she's talking about, like, she she does have sort of this, um, this, like, tinge of amusement about it. it. It, it plays a little... Even w- more weirdly on on the rewatch, I feel like where like Danny is such a crusader in terms of like no one can be uh, no one can be enslaved and everybody's their own master, freedom for all. Um, and like she's like kind of like make- cracking jokes about the pillars and the stones. I think just like as the the phrase the pillar and the stones when you were thinking in terms of the unsullied, like that has taken on its own life. And I almost forgot that it was it was Danny who who brought it up almost like gleefully just sort of an odd look for this character <laughs> it just seems like a, a weird um like poorly written moment for yeah. the character given everything else almost like yeah like She's certain characters her this hair, season that it's we've like talked about slumber yeah. party talk it's a very strange scene. It it, it, do, it does not really hold up. Like I, I really enjoy the Misande and Danny relationship, especially later on in the show. I think that they they were really fun in in season seven. They had a great moment on Dragonstone where they're kind of talking about. So Jon Snow's kind of hot, huh? Uh, like there there's that moment that I thought was that was great. But this the, the whole tenor of this scene where even as Misande getting her hair braided, she's just like, "Yes, Khaleesi. Yeah, that's right, Khaleesi." Mm-hmm. Like the the whole thing like has this sort of. Uh, tone deaf quality about it that I just I, I didn't love. Okay, it. and then we
0: end up seeing um, Missandei and Grey Worm talking it through, and so uh, the, you know, we've heard this from Grey Worm before about like, are you sorry you're part of the Unsullied? Do you feel bad that you got cut? And he says, no, because then I wouldn't have been in an Unsullied, and then I wouldn't have been there with Daenerys, and I wouldn't have met you, and you know, he's sorry, but she says, you don't have to be.
1: It's cute. It he is. Cute. Is it, Is it is it hot? Maybe not, but it's cute. <laughs> Yeah, You know, and and I do think that at the very least, good on Game of Thrones for like following through on this. And I I think like the sort of slow and steady approach that they have taken to this story, it's paid off as as much as you invested in it, which is, you know, probably not a ton. um, But at least it's something that they have followed through on uh, through the point in the show that we have seen. And if there is a theme for this episode, it is uh, so
0: far to this point, we are exploring castrated men and their feelings of affinity for the people in their lives.
1: Yes, as we move from here to Moat Kaelin back in uh, in Westeros and Theon, who, uh, you know, or or should I say Reek, who is now playing the role of Theon Greyjoy that was teased uh, a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago, is being put to work. And this whole thing is resolved within one episode. I don't know why I thought it was it was at least two episodes, but the whole Moat Kaelin thing, it's a it's a real quick done deal. Real quick.
0: uh, Reek says, hey, Theon, okay, you're going to pretend to be Theon. Reek, you're going to pretend to be Theon. Don't forget, you're still Reek, but you're going to pretend to be Theon, okay? So uh, he sends him in there, and uh, we see Theon arrive, or the artist formerly known as Theon, arrive at Kalen, and it's not good at Mokalin.
1: It's not good. Everyone's sick. Everyone has, like these, like, these boils. They're all scratchy. Everybody seems really upset, except for this one guy, Kenning, who is not taking any crap from theon Greyjoy, he's had it. um he's had it he's he's had it up to here reek doing a very good theon Greyjoy impression up until the time that kenning decides like i'm not taking your deal no deal mm-hmm. yeah and he is just like murmuring to himself i'm reek
0: i'm reek i can't i can't keep up this char- charade anymore i'm reek i'm reek i'm
1: reek and he's like what what are you murmuring and then a guy hits him in the head with an axe it's pretty gnarly actually. Mm. It's just like, you know, crack an egg with uh with, with that hatchet. It's fun do you watch this with the subtitles? I on? do. Yeah, as do I. And uh the, the subtitles are so clear with Theon being like, I'm Reek, uh hey, hey, I'm Reek, I'm Reek. And and Kenning is kind of like not hearing it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's very lucky that that Kenning gets uh taken out right when when he does. But the guy who kills Kenning he's you know very itchy he's very sick he seems like and he says and if we yield we're going to survive right like you're you're saying that ramsey bolton is a pretty decent dude and he's like yeah you know just raise the white flag open the gates and you get to go home and the very next thing that we say is kenning flayed flayed just deeply (laughs) deeply destroyed uh kenning flayed and, and this guy flayed too yes yeah all of them yes. They're the the ironborn have been mercilessly butchered at this point
0: right and so uh we see that ramsay is uh gonna be very happy with uh the work that theon has done here
1: as we'll see later in the episode this was a this is a great deal for ramsay bolton mm-hmm. yeah i mean ramsay snow as we're talking about him now soon to be ramsay bolton
0: yeah all right, Littlefinger is going to have some tough questions to answer from uh, Lord Royce of the Vale.
1: Yes, this is a, this is a fun scene. I actually thought where he's just like, "Oh, hi guys! Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we explain this one?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is sort of like Littlefinger cornered a little bit, and nobody really buying what he is selling. Uh, somebody is like. Hey, I hear that you're uh, you're a foreigner. And he's like, yeah, you know, I've got a, a great grandfather from Bravos. I suppose all of our ancestors came from somewhere else originally. And Jan Royce is like, not ours. Yes. We've been in the mail forever. And Littlefinger's like, oh, tough
0: crap, so Tough crap. is a uh, what would you call it? A, a kingdom of immigrants.
1: It's a, uh, a, a melting pot of iron. <laughs> <laughs> melting pot of brown yeah a melting pot of brown a melting bowl of brown <laughs> in flea bottom indeed yes. yes yes
0: okay so we see some tough questions and uh, let's bring in the witness uh i hear that there was a girl there that- oh she is of no wits she yeah, is you don't st- need to talk she to her. is just a
1: stupid uh she she's a dummy dumb, <laughs> dumb. dumb she yeah. is so dumb you yeah, you, hear from her. You, won't, you won't believe how <laughs> dumb. Uh and they bring her in and it's Sansa, and Littlefinger is uh, you know, quietly working on a bowl of brown in the corner <laughs> uh as they are grilling Elaine, who is not Elaine. This is Sansa. Which she is so, Yeah, she Elaine. just like, she just she just comes out with the truth. Uh she and she really is giving them a lot of information. And eventually it takes the turn where she says, like, uh, all little Littlefinger has told so many lies, but all of the lies were to help me. He was my only friend in King's Landing while I was being abused by the Lannisters. And she tells a version of the story that is... You want to say like eighty percent truthful? Like how would you how would you split the ratio?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty true up until the end. But she does it for really dramatic effects to uh really maximize
1: Littlefinger's anxiety. I know. And he's doing a decent job of just like kind of just like staring off okay, in his face. He's like going? Oh,
0: <laughs> give no emotion.
1: <laughs> yeah show no weakness but like you can imagine just the the uh the tornado inside right uh both sansa
0: and the composers who scored this episode really work this out for uh maximum drama where she starts off by saying how i'm not elaine i'm sansa and L- lord baelish has told many many
1: lies all to protect it's me. a good it's a good scene i yeah. think um and, and you know as exactly and as we've been trying to like kind of make sense of where the show decides to land with little finger you know this is one of the the character deaths that we can talk about in terms of uh one that has occurred so recently as far as we have seen through game of thrones and it has been a big kind of like thorn in our side of like where did they where did the show come up with this sansa has always been kind of a blind spot uh, for Littlefinger and this really should have been a moment for him to realize that she is not somebody to underestimate she crushes this mm-hmm. she like you know she's dunking on the lords of the Vale here with her incredible sob story that is at least a little bit truthful and really a lot of bit truthful um, but there are there are lies baked into the premise that she is uh, tossing to these people and Littlefinger is going to be impressed by it but never concerned. And this is the moment that like as far back as the end of season four here with Littlefinger, you need to like consider that as part of the case against this character of, yeah, he was never really that good. He should have figured this out. He should have figured out that Sansa was not somebody that he could fully manipulate and that this was somebody who could be a problem for him someday. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, she does a really great job. They
0: sort of like lock eyes at the end of it. And he's like, oh, you know, game respects game.
1: yeah, it was good. <laughs> Game of Thrones, respects.
0: Game of Thrones. That's good. All right. So Lord Royce uh, really doesn't about face. He's like, Littlefinger, we, oh, we really uh, did you
1: dirty there. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, he's, he's not like total bros with Littlefinger at this point. He's still like, sorry about that, bailish You know how you know, it goes. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is how we do in the veil. It was that or the moon door. This is preferable. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and Littlefinger is like, ah, oh, don't. Don't worry about it don't sweat it uh and so uh hey why don't you back robin aaron's little fingers already on to the next grift and that is to send robin aaron out into the world
1: this is going to be the focus of one of the Game of Thrones prequel spin-offs, I assume mm-hmm. right like the 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 singing adventures of Sir Robin uh, Sir Robin the Brave is going to be striding across Westeros as he is trying to learn how to swing a sword yeah. and ride a horse and there will be much rejoicing <laughs> yay Josh could you refresh my memory what is the latest uh, update
0: on Robin Aaron we've gotten through uh, seven seasons of the show like I, I I remember in my mind him like in some sort of of a uh, sword play practice with Lord Royce looking uh, disapproving at how he was doing. But have we yeah. gotten an update on that?
1: My last memory of uh sweet Robin is I think season six. It's, it's the, it's, it's him like doing horribly at archery <laughs> As Littlefinger is like yes. trying to convince uh, Jan Royce to to charge up north for uh, Sansa's cause. He'll cause, have a like standalone episode in bastards. season eight, right? One of the final six. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the final six episodes will be a full deep dive into Sweet Robin as Game of Thrones tries to challenge Lost for the most bogus final season of an anticipated show. ever. Yeah,
0: yeah, it looks like according to the Game of Thrones wiki, his final appearance
1: was in season six so far. Yeah, I think that's right. So I think that this and then that scene we're talking about, I feel like those might be uh, the final two scenes for for Sweet Robin. We'll see. He seems to be doing okay. When uh, you know, we'll we'll visit him later on in the episode where uh, he seems like he's doing pretty all right in in light of uh, his mother's Maybe death. Like a growth spurt and be like uh, like the mountain in
0: season eight. Oh my god, he's going to be taller than Brand. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go to Sir Barristan and he actually gets a scroll. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago where Tywin in the small council meeting said, Hey, uh, get me my pen mace. And we said, what is this letter he's going to write? And I still think it's a little confusing in terms of uh, what happened here. And Barristan shows this note to Jorah, which is the Royal pardon signed by Robert Baratheon. So let me just make sure I understand this correctly. So, Tywin says, get me my pen, and he ends up, like, going to, like, the King's Landing records office to get the royal pardon of Jorah, uh, sent to, uh, Essos, so, uh, Barriston can see that Jorah
1: was actually a spy, that was Tywin's plan. He's forwarding the email. <laughs> you know, this is an email forward. Yeah. Uh, And he's not really adding a lot of text. Most of the text is already written. It's like, hey, Jorah, thought you might want to see this. Yeah. P.S., don't delete this chain letter. Otherwise, seven years of bad luck. Mm -hmm. You know, it's basically just like uh, he's just forwarding the bad news. Right. And so, you know, Barristan, you know, takes it hook,
0: line and sinker. Does exactly what Tywin would have wanted him to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, Barrison's, I think, fairly easy to predict. You know, noble noble guy, he's going to get this news, he's not going to like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Danny
0: ends up getting word of this uh, after... Barristan delivers it to Jorah. Uh, Jorah wants yeah. to speak to uh, Daenerys. Uh, Barristan says, you'll never be alone with her again. You know, There was always this little bit of a cold war between Jorah and Barristan. Barristan definitely has the moral high ground now
1: and yeah definitely he is able to metaphorically chop off jorah's remaining arm and leg Mm -hmm. and so we end up seeing uh jorah trying to
0: plead his case to daenerys but uh she does not want to hear it he does a
1: bad job yeah it's a it's a bad Mm -hmm. job he's like "Uh, can we talk privately she's Uh. like no definitely not and that's so sketchy that it's you like asked me a to do that for a moment. <laughs> like, like, no, that's not an option. Play your hand. This is your hand. Mm-hmm. You're the hand. Uh, and and Jorah is is trying to plead his case, and it's not going well. And uh, great acting uh, from both Ian Glenn and uh, Amelia Clark, I think in this scene of just like the stone cold betrayal pillar that cold. Danny is feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it's very pillar cold. That uh, how she's like, you sold my secrets to the man who killed my father. And when she puts it in those words at that point for Jorah, it's kind of like, yeah, there's really not a lot you're going to be able to do here. Yeah, but he still I, does I, a bad b- job. A very bad like, job. Yeah, but that he's was before like, I knew you. Yeah. I think... What what was the move here? What was the, what was the better move here? To just, like, outright own it immediately and just, like, completely own the story? Mm-hmm. I, I think that he, he's probably...
0: gotta come clean and say look yes yes I did those things you're absolutely right before I knew you before I knew anything about you but then I you convinced me Uh, I was a skeptic but I ended up uh, you know being a believer in your cause I know you're mad but that I ended up that I was I I could not go through with any of those things because like I feel like he doesn't quite articulate he's like I love you
1: Uh, she's like get out of here yeah, the problem is is that he didn't come clean sooner. Uh you know, he should have come clean sooner because now at this point like it comes across as though he was keeping his options open and like what if you want to go back to the Iron Throne and now there is still like reason to suspect that you are still going to narc me out to the Lannisters. So it's all it's mm-hmm. all very poorly played, but I do think like at that point like the only thing he can say is hey didn't really know been living my you know exile life in in pentos and i was kind of ready to get out of there and then i got to see what you're capable of and i fully believed and i'm sorry i didn't come clean sooner but uh like i'll take probation Mm -hmm. if probation is an option I, i think he could have at
0: least been like oh my god khaleesi that was like three seasons ago
1: yeah or he could have said like does anyone even know what Robert Baratheon's handwriting looks, looks like? This is fake news, Khaleesi. It's forged. Yes. <laughs> it's a copycat. We have a copycat amongst us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Anyway, she kicks him out, and it's very sad, and the, the music is beautiful, and the cinematography is beautiful, and we are kickstarting the, uh, the, the next act for Sir Jorah, which is going to get rather dirty dire yeah
0: okay ramsey is uh gonna go meet up with his dad with roose bolton and they are high atop a hill in the north and uh, he's very proud of the job that Ramsey did securing Moat Uh I wish it was called Moat Caitlin, but uh, we'll call it.
1: That would be easier. Yes.
0: Uh, that would be uh, such a, a spiritual sanctuary, Moat Caitlin. But Moat Caitlin. Yes. And he's so so proud of him. And he says, uh, "Look to your east. Uh, look look as far as the eye can see. Yes. All of this is the north, Ramsey. Every everything the light touches is <laughs>
1: everything
0: our kingdom. The
1: snow touches."
0: <laughs> yes yes <laughs> the ant and the antelope eat the grass mm, yes this is yeah. the circle of the north and uh yes. guess what what's your name ramsey
1: uh, it's ramsey snow no. nope wrong nope. you've got a cool new name come on down ramsey b Ramsay bolton yes so he has a, a you know tywin's been very busy maybe that was the letter he was maybe right. but maybe. Yeah. He has this new letter that, that legitimizes Ramsey Snow. Your are Ramsey Bolton, son of Roose Bolton, Warden of the North. And Ramsey gets down on one knee and he's honored. He says, you honor me. I promise you I will uphold your name and your tradition. I will be so worthy of you. I will not kill you. you. I'll definitely not Next stab season. you in the yes. chest. It's technically two seasons, two seasons from now, seasons. but it's pretty soon. I'll kill yeah. you, but I promise that won't be an issue. Well, the be beginning
0: great. of season six, <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Two episodes in for a very anticlimactic end to your story arc, Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ramsey is uh, he's he's very happy about the news, and it's it's actually kind of a funny scene because it has this epic quality about it, and you can tell how much it means to Ramsey. And at the same time, like, it, it is underscored with this epic music. And then it cuts right next to, like, all of the Boltons riding toward Winterfell. It's going to be their new home. And Ramsay immediately, with no breather, with no break, is just like, Reek, you're going to bathe <laughs> me tonight. And it's going to be glorious. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God, these people are awful. Okay. All right. Littlefinger
0: is back with Sansa. And he wants to know, uh, why did you help me?
1: And she's like, well, I, don't know. Yeah, I know what you want. And he goes, do you? Yeah, yeah. could you tell us? And that's, that's it. Yeah, it's like, please, somebody. just like, Really just give us like a, a black and white breakdown of what's going on. Just, just somebody articulate what Littlefinger is trying to work on here. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, what he's saying, and I think that this is what's good on Sansa. Sansa's like, yeah, you've revealed yourself to me. Like, I have figured it out. I lived in King's Landing for a long time. You're a smart dude, but I was around dangerous people. I could figure out that they were all about their horrible, carnal desires and their needs for power, and you're not that far away from that. And you tried to make out with me in a courtyard in front of my aunt, so I know that really the thing you want is mm-hmm. me and so now i've got the power and i've got you cornered and now the death of little finger truly makes sense <laughs> yeah she ends up
0: uh you know saying yes when uh little finger articulates a uh, better to gamble on the man that you know than because she says uh or she says that she doesn't know what they would have done with her after they killed little finger so uh, she felt like she was better off at little finger i wonder if uh, a season from now she will regret that decision yes, yes. The answer is (laughs) yes. Yes. Because the Knights of the Vale, I mean, they seem like, I don't think they had any illness. They did not uh, like the Lannisters. I don't know. What would they have done with Sansa?
1: Sansa should have done everything that she did, but also throw Littlefinger under the bus and just park it at the Vale Mm -hmm, for a while. Right. I think that, you know, Lord Royce, I
0: think, would have been, you know, just uh, would be a much better protector than Littlefinger turned out to be.
1: Yes. White Royce Wednesdays would have been a thing. <laughs>
0: all right. Arya and the Hound, uh, they have been on the road. They make it all the way to the Bloody Gate. They make it to the Vale. And uh there's a lot more action going on at the Bloody Gate than when Littlefinger and Sansa walked up there a couple episodes.
1: Makes sense. Lysa Aaron just died. So. <laughs> you know, I think security's gonna be pretty tight at this point. Yeah. And so uh,
0: they end up making it to the gate and they announce themselves. But, uh, very sad to say, Lysa Aaron has passed away.
1: Yes, and Arya loses her. shit mm-hmm. It's very funny. She just cracks up Crack where makes sense, you know. At this point, Arya has been on the open road for forever, she hasn't had like a good night of sleep in years uh and this was like the last thing that she was leaning on like she she'd been so close to reunion with her mother and her brother back in season three and here she is all the way to the veil and her like it's a it's a shaggy dog story and there's just no conclusion to it and there's no end in sight so shaggy hound story a shaggy hound story indeed uh so she cracks up very funny scene very memorable scene i think uh but they just leave they don't say like oh well since we're here yeah, you would think that they, maybe so they would Arya push in a Arya Stark, little bit. you said?
0: Okay, yeah. well, we, we
1: like the Starks here at the Vale, at the Eerie. Yeah, maybe they should have dug in a little bit more. I don't think these guys had the news about Sansa at this point, but you no. would still think that, like, this is Arya Stark. This is, this is an a important star. person. Right. You should probably hang on to this person. Okay, so Littlefinger and Sweet
0: Robin are talking and Littlefinger is breaking the news to Sweet Robin that he needs to go out on uh, maybe uh, would you call this like a gap year for Sweet Robin to go out and
1: explore the Vale? Yes, yes. Like this is like uh, pre announcing your uh, your uh, your running for Lord of the Vale, Mm -hmm. uh, Lord of the Airy. And he's you know, he's like, I'm so scared to leave here. People, people die if they leave the Airy And Littlefinger's like, ah, people die everywhere. People die all the time. Everybody dies. People die at dinner tables. Mm -hmm, People people die squatting on chamber pots. Wink, Mm -hmm. wink, nudge, nudge. Mm -hmm. yeah you know nice little sure yeah nice little nice little clue of what's to come in the in the season finale with one tywin lannister yes and then
0: here comes sansa who emerges from the like she's like uh at the top of the steps with like lens flare and now all of a sudden sansa is like dressed in all black she has like the power of veto necklace Uh, this is like the uh sandra d moment for uh at the end of greece where it's like uh all of a sudden uh you better
1: shape up little finger i got to imagine that if we went back and just listened to the first podcast that we ever did about this that like the take would be identical like (laughs) no takes have changed to this this shot of sansa coming down the stairs looking like elphaba uh Mm -hmm. from uh wicked i think that's what her name is oh gosh uh (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's close to that uh but at least she just looks like dark phoenix which is ironic because she will become dark phoenix in one of these x-men movies yeah
0: okay all right, let's get to our
1: main course here. And- what a lame thing. I said one of these X-Men movies. Who am I? My dad? <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of these X-Men movies. I don't know. Is, is Deadpool was there and Samuel L. Jackson. What am I talking about? I know what I'm talking about. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Here is uh, Tyrion and he is with
0: Jaime Lannister and uh, they're talking. Jaime has brought Tyrion some wine and uh, they're talking about this sort of like a meandering conversation of does Oberyn have a chance Uh, and you know what's the what's the punishment for regicide and then uh, they talk about all the different types of killing what every type of killing has a word not cousin killing which ultimately lead it's like one long interview improv show where then that takes them to talking about cousin
1: Orson right and, and the Orson Lannister story the story of simple Orson is uh, it, it's really still very good Uh, You know, this whole idea of him just, like, crushing beetles with a rock, gunk, 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 uh, and how, like, it's all he would do. He was dropped on his head when he was a kid, and he would just kill all of these beetles, and Tyrion talks about how he was was obsessed with his cousin, and, like, why is he killing all of these beetles, and he could never— ever get an answer about like this random you know this 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 random series of of cruel acts that just have no origin whatsoever um and he you know he ate his lunch by orson lannister and he would study his face and he knew it was there was some reason behind it but he just couldn't access the reason and it's just such a brilliant beautiful showcase for peter dinklage as an actor as he's kind of relitigating this obsession of his as a child this early early instance of of Tyrion Lannister who has been societally abused his entire life first coming to grips with the cruelty of the world and having this kind of return to this moment as he is facing potentially certain death as soon as he leaves this cage Um, And having no answer at the end of it. And like you keep thinking again, like to talk about like a shaggy dog type of story of like you keep expecting the punchline of he's going to have the answer for why Orson Lannister was killing all of these beetles. And instead, what happens is he just says to Jamie like, so why did he do it? What was Hmm. it about? What was it all about? And Jamie has no answer. Nobody knows. And I think it is it is so brilliantly beautifully thematically resonant for what game of thrones represents and just like the the cruel random nature of the universe that is so excellently crystallized on this show and in this moment and such uh, an excellent setup for what we're about to get into with the red viper versus the mountain where it's very similar to how this beetle is about to get smashed
0: Yeah. Do you have any further insight into the cousin Orson story from, you know, all these years out that we are now from when this originally aired?
1: Only that I do think that the show had. uh, deadlier fangs at this moment in production of, of Game of Thrones. Like I do think that like there has been an element of uh, of danger that has been lost to a degree. I think you would agree uh, in in terms of how Game of Thrones has progressed. Like Littlefinger's the only guy you really lose in in season seven, other than R.I.P. Thoros of Mir. Uh, like, but what we're about to what we're about to get into with this, the, you know, final sequence of of the episode, um, the Red Viper, a character that you have been um, asked. To invest in his story and fall in love with this character who's so insanely charismatic and you believe in his cause and you want him to get justice and he's just gonna get annihilated out of nowhere um, you know it's it's that's the message of Game of Thrones that it doesn't matter if you're the hero of your own story it doesn't matter if you're the hero of this story if you make one wrong move if you linger too long you're gonna get snatched up by the ankle and get your teeth knocked out and get your head blown up by hands mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I think that 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 has always been the message of the Orson Lannister story, and I'm curious to see how the promise of the Orson Lannister story carries out in the final season of the show. I think the penultimate season, season seven, all that we have seen through so far as we're recording this, um, is a lot about setup for those final six episodes. And I'm I'm pins and needles in terms of where they're going to take it. But if if the if the final season of the show is still existing in sort of this same Moral area that Tyrion is talking about with Orson Lannister, then we should be in for some really terrible, meaningless deaths, Uh, you know, husks of beetles just being littered across the the wintry, uh, you know, landscape of, of the Seven Kingdoms in this final season. Okay. Uh let's get to
0: the big battle. Uh we see uh, t- uh Jamie wish Tyrion good luck today. And so, uh we end up with uh Tyrion getting to uh have a moment with the
1: Red Viper before the fight. I I really love the way that the show sends the Red Viper off for so many reasons. It's disgusting and very hard to watch on the rewatch what was your experience with that by the way i i know we're skipping ahead a little bit but there's not too much to to pick apart here it's a battle it's got you know shifts in it and the red viper it seems like he wins and then he gets swept off his feet and he sure. gets his head exploded what was it like for you to to rewatch that because for me it's so gross it was yeah i couldn't i turned going, away
0: again i turned away again i you it's, know.
1: So gross.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I look away from the moment that the Red Viper gets his teeth knocked out to I come back when his head is oozing blood.
1: I was uh I was watching it on my laptop with my headphones on and as threw my, it across the room no I did not, <laughs> not on <this> one. no <laughs> no as uh my, my wife was in here with me and she was watching uh like some something on tv that was so much tamer than what I was watching and I just had this kind of like visceral reaction to what I was watching she's like what 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 did you just see I was like oh nothing just like the grossest thing that's ever been committed to fiction <laughs> on television mm-hmm. It, it's so it's so nasty, but but I, I love it because it, it is it is so the promise uh, fulfilled of the Orson Lannister story is the crushing of this particular beetle uh, of uh of of red Vi- of the Red Viper. And the season has done a lot of work in getting you invested in the character. But this episode does nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the Red Viper doesn't show up until the last 10 minutes of the episode. And the fact that it's so nonchalant about that, that the Red Viper just kind of like struts back into the story um, without any sort of like. Him having like a moment of uh, of of similar importance to Tyrion talking to Jamie about the Orson story you don 't really get that with the Red Viper and Alaria, even though you get some like quick like romantic gestures between the two of them, but nothing meaningful because for the Red Viper. He's just going to the office. It's, mm-hmm. just, a, it's just a day, uh, and the show presents it that way. Uh, the season has really shown you a lot about what he's invested in and all of that, but this episode alone is just giving you nothing, and so it just it disarms you in such a brilliant way that the, just the story construction, the, the writing uh, of the sequence in which the Red Viper gets killed, it's spectacular. It's really, really brilliant and fully holds up on a rewatch. Right. And so
0: we see the big battle going on and it looks like, you know, it's a pretty even matchup. Uh, the Red Viper goes into his whole spiel about how he's going to make the mountain confess uh, he repeats the refrain, you raped her, you murdered her, you killed her children. Uh, at one point, the Red Viper's uh, spear breaks in half. And I thought that, the, you know, he has like a, what is it, like a corner man that just like had another spear yes. like, ready to go to throw to him? Yes. Yeah. Seem right. yeah.
1: <laughs> cut me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It's> his cut <laughs> yeah. man. Yes. Uh, the mountain was his cut man. I guess technically it wasn't a lot of cuts. It was more just like brute force, man.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the Red Viper. I mean, he gets him, he gets him down, and it looks like it is totally gone his way. And you know the story. Uh, You know how it goes. He's like, No, 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 you can't die yet. You haven't confessed. Say her name.
1: Right. It's an all-in move. You know, he, he needs the confession so he can keep digging in. Like, it's not enough to just kill the mountain. That's exciting. And that is like the person who did it that he is getting vengeance against. But he wants to take the system down. He wants to take down the Lannisters. So he needs that confession. Uh, so it's a, it's adrenaline. It's this in his mind, this calculated desire, but it's also just overconfidence and not mm-hmm. not getting that bird's eye view of of what is about to happen if you get too close to, this, to the crowd yeah it's oh man it's it's uh it's not great yep. it's not great i mean it, it it goes back to that comment that braun made the the week before of like yeah I, I might be faster than him but like if he just like if he falls down and he gets too close to me i'm i'm dead And like, yeah, well, Bron, good thing that you didn't take this guy
0: on (laughs) smart Mm -hmm. move, smart call. Yep. And so with one fell swoop, the mountain ends up taking out Oberyn with by tripping him with his arm and then uh, proceeds to uh, do the teeth knockout punch and then uh, gets him in a chokehold, which he turns into then uh, getting uh, leverage to be able to put his
1: uh, thumbs through his eye sockets. So gross, like viciously disgusting just outstandingly nasty very very bad <laughs> uh yeah it's 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 all horrible it is all uh supremely gifable uh you know there's there's a, the the great look on peter dinklage's face as he's just like kind of like what just happened uh i have seen that in many a meme since this moment one of the underrated i think shock moments uh of game of thrones i think like when you you think about those top lists i know we joke about that uh like it's it's always going to be on there but like i could i could see a, a a serious argument for this being uh you know top five baby of just like one of the most surprising and upsetting moments in the entire series
0: very upsetting and so the mountain uh does admit that yes uh i did uh kill her and then i uh smashed her head like this
1: and uh i'm gonna do the same thing to you boom done yep lights out yeah thanos snap style it's just like uh (laughs) it's just the universe is altered forever uh there's balance once again Mm -hmm. so it's it's gross it's horrible hilarious screaming that's a that's a great moment the whole thing it's just it's done so well that like yeah the show the 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 episode is kind of eh. you know the episode is a little Until this final act, once we we go to Tyrion in the prison cell. But once we get there, it is uh, peak Game of Thrones. Right. And then uh, we see Tywin uh, make the announcement
0: of uh, Tyrion Lannister, you're sentenced to death.
1: Yeah sound a little happier about it guy mm-hmm. you know he's like i'm pretty pumped about this Darian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. he's very excited to sentence Tyrion to death uh he is like it is a very sociopathic moment of tywin not only like being so calm about sentencing his son to death but sentencing his son to death in such a calm manner after this outstandingly violent act has just occurred and people are just like puking in their seats new guys in the back puking his guts out for sure yes
0: well i mean was this tywin lannister's uh greatest move in that it was a true win-win no matter uh however way this one went yeah this one was good
1: this one was good yeah. yeah i mean i guess he loses the mountain if the red viper wins i don't know i think i think uh if the red viper wins i don't think this is great for tywin lannister yeah yeah that's fair that's fair it's actually pretty bad yeah okay
0: all right so there we go josh uh that was the mountain and
1: the viper all right we've got the watchers on the wall next week battle at castle black see it in imax if you can Mm -hmm. (laughs) did they do that yeah i went and i saw it it was actually pretty fun (laughs) wow yeah it was
0: great okay all right uh there we go and only two episodes left here in game of thrones season four can you believe it
1: I can. I can. We're, we're crushing this, much like the mountain with a swan head. We are smashing this out. Gunk, gunk, gunk. Yeah. Yeah. We're crushing episodes out like Orson Lannister with the Beatles.
0: Okay. We did it. Uh, only two left to go in season four. And so uh, we will be back with The Watchers on the Wall coming up next week.
1: Very soon. It'll 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 be in your podcast feed before you know it. OK, so pour one out for Egret as well. Yeah, well, that's coming up. Uh, she's going to die. Pip and Gren are going to die. That giant. He's going to die. <laughs> yeah, the Thens. Ali is going to have his only cool moment of the, the whole show where he's like, yeah, I totally killed Egret. <laughs> that was a good moment for him i mean it's probably his best moment right like that cool nod where he's like yeah john i did it <laughs> yeah like it's not that cool but like for him and you know it's a it's a graded
0: scale yeah all right well that's coming up next week of course uh be sure to follow everything that josh wiggler is working on uh when you follow at round howard on twitter I'm at Rob Cisternino, and uh, Josh, uh, is it true that you are going to be beginning to look at another new HBO series?
1: Yes, keep an eye out to your podcast feed, postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes for a new podcast that we are going to be doing here for the coming weeks of this summer. Sharp Objects. On hBO is about to premiere, and the lovely Emily Fox and I are going to talk about it it 's probably going to be a uh, a very goofy podcast about some serious subject matter we 're just going to try and have a good time with this show we 're both very excited about it. Emily just crushed the book. I know nothing about it, yes, like a beetle. Uh, I know nothing about the the show, the story, the book, anything like that as Rob and I are recording this. This is days out from uh the uh, the premiere of the show i 've done very little reading into it because this is a rare treat for me where i can just kind of walk into a show and be surprised by a show so i'm very excited about it uh so it's an eight episode mini series and we will have podcasts here for you uh emily and i i think it's gonna be very fun uh hopefully you guys will will tune in and listen low commitment should be fun all right so check that out we'll be back next week with watchers on the wall take care
0: everybody have a good one bye